1: is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio
2: well we expected it to be a display of an aptitude in coaching and boy we were not disappointed it's carlin versus joe on espn radio on sirius xm channel 80 and on your smart speakers we are presented as always by our good friends at progressive insurance good morning joseph
3: Good morning to you. Um, You and I have had a very strong, very amicable relationship since this show started. And before, but we didn't get to know each other as well as we do now. But I got to be honest, it's starting to feel like your Texas Rangers and my Philadelphia Phillies could be headed, could be, the operative phrase, on a collision course to face one another in the World Series. We're going to need help. We're going to need a bet. We're going to need help from the audience at Carlin versus Joe on Twitter. Would love to know the suggestions for the bets we can come up with for that.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know those suggestions, too. In two more games, I am that guy. <laughs> I am that guy who will not believe it until the final out is recorded, Joe, because you know why? I was I have been a strike away from a world championship before and been let down. <laughs>
3: I will not appreciate it until the parade has completed.
2: Exactly. Just no. Just get me to the World Series. Just, just get me to the World Series, All right. and we'll be good. But listen, we'll come up with something good, and we want your input on that for sure. At Carlin versus Joe on Twitter at Joe Fortenbaugh, at Chris Carlin. And we want you to be a part of the show on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season. Without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Joe, last night, I don't know if it's possible to come out of a game feeling worse about two teams. But if it is possible, that's exactly what happened. I feel worse about the Dallas Cowboys. I feel worse about the Los Angeles Chargers. I feel as if we watched two teams that frankly were just not very good at all and have bad coaching. I, I shouldn't say not very good at all. They're talented, but they just can't get out of their own way on so many occasions. And even though the Cowboys went and won that game, and made a play at the end, and Dak played all right. There's nothing about that, nothing in the least that would make me think, wow, we were treated to something special last night.
3: No, 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 no. There was, there was nothing special about last night except for a master class in how not to coach a football game. And we can make all the jokes, and we made the jokes. We had the prop bets yesterday about how those two, Stanley and of which almost hit. A couple would of which manage the almost game. Yeah. I mean, we just danced around so many of them last night. I would say that there should be, and I might be in the minority on this, there should be different viewpoints as to how you look at each team following last night's game. For the Chargers, you're still a punchline in the NFL. You were a punchline. You continue to be a punchline. Nobody takes you seriously. Okay, You had two weeks to get ready for that game. You were at home. There's no excuse to play that sloppy against the Cowboys. But for the Cowboys, and I hate to do this because as an Eagle fan, I hate the Cowboys. I got to give them their flowers. They were in a tricky spot last night. It was their third road game in four weeks. They were facing their third potential loss in four weeks, which that's going to derail the entire train when it comes to trying to make a playoff run or even win the NFC East. You're going up against the Chargers, who, again, had two weeks to get ready. They're at home. It's very favorable for them. And on top of it, and we've said this before, coming off the Niners game is very difficult for teams. People don't realize this, but going back to the start of last season, entering last night, teams that play the Niners, the following week, they're 2-18 and 18 straight up, 4-14-2 four, against the spread. That game is extremely physical, it's extremely taxing, and it carries over to the next week. And people can say the Cowboys got an extra night of rest because they played on a Monday. Okay, but they still had to travel to L.A. for the game where the Chargers had two weeks to get ready. So facing all of that, the three road games in four weeks, the potential to lose three games in four attempts, the off the Niner game, all that stuff. The Cowboys found a way to get the win. And at the very least, i got to sit here, and I do have to tip my hat to them. It didn't need to be pretty. The situation didn't call for it to be pretty. They found a way to get it done. They made one more play than the Chargers. I, I, I hate to do it because you know I'm an Eagle fan. I hate to do it, but they do deserve some credit for figuring it out last night. Yeah, I mean, good for them. They beat an average
2: <laughs> team. Yeah, that's nice. We did it. Woohoo! Uh Listen, I, I don't know why we continue to have high expectations for these two teams. And it has to do with everything. It has to do with a complete lack of discipline, bad coaching across the board. I mean, even this morning, Jerry Jones, on his radio show uh, on 105.3, the fan down in Dallas, was asked about McCarthy's decision at the end of the first half with 14 seconds left, not to use both of his timeouts at the 14-yard line and try to run one more play with eight seconds left. No. No. No, he kicked the field goal right away. He wanted to run the clock down. When the, Joe Buck actually said, did I just fall asleep when he <laughs> thought that maybe the Cowboys had called the timeout with eight seconds left, and they hadn't. Here's Jerry Jones on that decision. This is not an
1: uh, uh, impassioned uh, response to your question at all. But I thought we should have tried another pass in the end zone, and, and, uh, and is the clock recording
3: do you think not doing that shows a lack of faith that Mike might have in Dak's ability to make that decision?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Uh, no, that doesn't get that reach that bone with me at all. I just, uh, 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 from the perspective I had, thought that uh, uh, we might be able to uh, try it there, uh, but uh, I haven't talked to Mike about the call.
2: Yeah, Uh, first of all, it was a rough flight home uh, overnight. Jerry's still a little bit out of it at that point, a little sleepy in that moment. But he was just, after he said not at all, it was just a word salad to try to get him to explain why he wouldn't think that that was a lack of faith uh, in in Dak Prescott. All the way around, the Cowboys are not a dominant run team at all. Their offensive line is exceptionally average the way it's playing right now defensively they're, they're good I'm not going to deny that um, but there's nothing about them that makes me think they're a top tier NFC team I mean they're down from where they were the last couple of years and that's disappointing I, I get what you're saying about the physicality of what transpired last week this was just an opportunity to go and take care of business and I think you put it very well they're not a serious team they're not a serious team. They talk about the Chargers. Nobody takes them seriously. I don't know that anybody should really take the Cowboys very seriously right now, Joe. I don't well, see real reason for
3: that, even at 4 and 2. As a Super Bowl contender, I agree with that. They, they haven't shown. The, the Lions have shown far more, right? Yeah. There, there are teams that have shown. Miami has shown you, you need to take them seriously. The Cowboys have not. To the point on what happened at the end of the first half with the goal line, it's really simple. And here's an analogy. To explain it, McCarthy is that guy, and we've all been like this before when we're golfing, where McCarthy, if he's in a skins game against somebody else, if he's in a matchup against somebody else, he's hoping for them to miss the putt rather than thinking, I'm going to go out and make the putt and win this. Yeah, That's his yeah. mindset. Like You come up to the 18th hole, you and your buddy are tied. Whoever wins this hole wins the match. He's thinking, I hope you slam it right into the houses and... And then I'll be much calmer teeing off myself. I want you to lose it. That's how McCarthy manages football games. He's hoping you lose it. He's not going out trying to win it. To the other point on Jerry Jones and why we have these high expectations for the Cowboys, it's very simple. It's Jerry Jones. It's the way he's branded this team and the way he's marketed this team. They are America's team. (laughs) Whether or not you believe in that, that moniker is out there. And it's seeping into our subconscious to the point where we, for some reason, elevate them a bit because, hey, there's 32 teams, but there's only one America's team. Every time we hear Jerry talk, he says things like, I truly believe Dak can win a Super Bowl. He talks like that. We listen to it. We disseminate it across the airwaves. It It. it It's him branding this team as a Super Bowl contender. He's a great marketer. He's a great advertiser. Not a great general manager, but he's great at branding that team. And as a result, they are always in the national conversation. Always. Meanwhile, again, to use an analogy, the Detroit Lions, who are having a hell of a season, it's hard to get some press because you're the Detroit Lions. We're not sure if we're going to take you serious just yet. We haven't seen it before. You don't draw the ratings that Dallas does. You know, to be fair about it, the Cowboys, since the
2: start of 2021, are 10-1 and one following a loss. That's, That's impressive. impressive. That's impressive. What did I say about the Detroit Lions a few weeks ago? That when they come off a big win, I want to see them the following week handle success well. What have the Lions done since they lost to the Seahawks? Four straight double-digit victories. Bang! This is my point. It wasn't just we bounced back from the game. It was we're ticked off now. Like they have played like an angry football team, like a serious football team. And, and all I can think about is that the Cowboys are not on that level because of all the mistakes that they make along the way, because they're not well coached, because I don't think they're nearly as talented as we're making them out to be. And Last night was an important game for them to win and they got that win. And I said so beforehand because the Eagles lost and I thought, all right, Cowboys win tonight, they're close to one game, they still play the Eagles uh, twice. So what exactly should I be feeling about that? You know, there's a chance there for them to go and win the division. There's nothing about them that makes me think they're going to win the division. They're not on the same level as the 49ers and the Eagles. And they're not on the same level as the Detroit Lions. They are much closer to the same level as teams like the Seahawks. Teams like the Falcons. I I can't even. I, I don't even want to put that one on them yet. But they're closer to that level than they are to the Detroit Lions right now. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio. Sirius XM Channel 80. It kind of aggravated me. At one point last night, I'm sitting on the couch. And I slammed my hand down into the couch, and it wasn't because I had any rooting interest in the game whatsoever. It was the ineptitude that was angering me. My wife said from upstairs, "Oh, what's something go wrong with your fantasy
3: team or something?" I'm like, "No, I. This is just awful to watch." That I, I gotta tell you though, <laughs> that that's on you. You were primed for that yesterday. We, I, I've. We've been talking about that since late last week, that this game was going to be very difficult to consume from a coaching standpoint. We, we primed everyone for it, and yet you still, still even, were not even, mentally prepared. Even like Justin Herbert overthrowing
2: receivers left and oh, right. He was terrible. Oh he was terrible last night. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We are just getting rolling. As we said, want you to be a part of the program at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Are the Cowboys closer to the top two tiers in the league, meaning the Eagles, the 49ers, the Lions, as opposed to the teams that you would put beneath them. This is something that we want to hear from you about and not just the Cowboy fans, the the actual objective individuals out there. Despite the Cowboys getting that win, the gap between those two teams, uh, picking up a game on the Eagles, the gap has never been wider. We'll get into that in just moments a little bit deeper next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus
1: Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: A field
1: goal of 39 yards. His kick is away, and the kick is good, and the Cowboys lead with 219 to play by a score of 20-17. to Herbert gets rid of it, and he's picked! Intercepted by the Cowboys! And Gilmore's the one who got it. Guys played their ass
3: off. Offense, defense, uh, they came up with a huge play right there. Something we can build off of.
2: Yeah. Yeah, by the way... That one Chargers fan was a little too intense. I mean that was a that was an alarming situation going on in that box or whatever it was at SoFi with that woman.
3: Somebody dug into it. She's a super fan. A lot of people thought that um from what the report said that they were actors that were yeah. planted there to make a big deal. Yeah. You no. Know, her and her husband are huge fans and they get those cabana suites a couple times every year. She was
2: like there was a There was a Halloween, the movie type feel to some of those shrieks that were going on. (laughs) Like there was one with a a real anger in her face. Like, did she, was she just possessed by something When, when, when they, when they tied the game at 17? Like she was that excited about it at first where it was a look of terror
3: going into a look of jubilation I don't you know. know. you can't do anything anymore without someone commenting on it. Like this woman, they they pay for the commander suite, they go to the game, mm-hmm. they try to enjoy it, she's thrown on T V and then you're talking about it the next day.
2: Like can mm-hmm. like, how about this? New college. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm can sorry, sorry I live? for being a member of, you know, America. Everybody's you know, talking about this woman today.
3: Just the co- we comment on everything. Everything like can I live? That's got to be the new mantra for people going forward. Everywhere you go, she probably didn't realize today she was – I mean, if she's excited about it, great. But she's got everyone commenting on the fact that she's trying to have some fun. All these conspiracy theories coming out of the woodwork. She was planted. She's an actor. Why would the NFL need to do that? Why would anyone need to do that? Plant an actor at a game because they're cheering? Are we of the belief that there are no, no real Charger fans out there? Is that an actual thought? I mean, that, that could be a thought.
2: Well, I know that there are Charger fans out there. I just didn't know that they were to that level of intensity. <laughs> I mean, I, think that's, I don't think what I'm saying there is outlandish. No. But you did, she just was did, loving it. You did just give me an idea for a business to just start uh, charging people when they want to annoy their friends to follow their friend a, around for a day or two and then just fire their takes at them. Five takes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're going shopping. Really? You're going to pick that apple? Don't you think that's a little bit beaten up? What's wrong with you?
3: We should allow people. We should have people hire us like as a prank on their friends, like hire guys from ESPN to go follow their friends around and just give a take on everything. You're right. I think that's genius.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. What's your
3: rate for something like that? What's your hourly rate? Uh, I do that for
2: for 50 bucks an hour. (laughs) <laughs> I would do that for 50 bucks. An Not, hour. That's like Dr. Nick Riviera type fee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the kind <laughs> of service you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio Series 6M Channel 80. 888 ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Chris in North Carolina up first today on ESPN Radio. Hey Chris, what's up?
1: Hey buddy. Uh thank you guys for taking my call. I am going to be honest as a Cowboys fan, I, I like Joe's take. Carlin, you 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 really short Dallas from top to bottom. A um, couple things that I really question. You're hyping up the Lions, and that's fine, but let's not forget the Lions playing the worst division in football, and it's not close. And secondly, you're acting as if the Chargers are nothing. Well, as Joe said, Dallas came in against a team that came off a bye week who has a fairly electric offense, and Dallas held that team to 10 points in the last three quarters. So for you not to be impressed and then say Dak Prescott had an okay game your, takes, your take today sounds a little bit like Stephen A. Smith, and I don't think you're giving them the credit they really deserve, and I think you're overhyping the lines a little bit. Well,
3: here's Outstanding the thing. phone call. The best phone call this show has ever had. You, you don't even need to comment. No one needs your comment on that. Just Let It Lie is the show's greatest phone call. You know what? I'm going to respond. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing I'd say. You're wrong in,
2: in virtually every way. And it's not because I'm going out of my way to stick it to the Cowboys here. I watched a game last night with two teams that I am not going to argue are talented, are very talented, but they are not playing anywhere near to the level of that talent on either side. You cannot... uh, We will sit there and talk about how great the Chargers offense is all day and about how great Justin Herbert is all day, but what we're also talking about is, geez, why have they lost all these games that they have? And why is Justin Herbert missing receivers all over the place? Joe made this point on a group text last night, and it's 100% accurate. If he was anywhere else but playing for the second team in Los Angeles, he'd be getting
3: destroyed today. Oh, without question. There's no one... No one covered in Teflon more than Justin Herbert. He gets away with everything. He is so lucky that the franchise is a joke and that the head coach takes all the heat, and rightfully so for the most part because he has done such a poor job, that no one ever thinks to look at the quarterback. No one ever thinks to look at the quarterback. Zach Wilson gets killed weekly. Justin Fields gets killed weekly. Dak Prescott gets killed weekly. Jalen Hurts is starting to get some criticism because he's not as good as last year. Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs offense, suddenly there's an issue there because they're not hanging 45 a game every week. Geno Smith gets buried after the way he plays in Cincinnati. And yet, as Herbert continues to flop in the big spot... Game after game after game. The playoff game, he couldn't engineer anything in the second half against Jacksonville. And then again last night, takes the sack, immediately throws the INT. Eckler was wide open on that play, by the way. We we just turn our attention and we say, well, the franchise is a joke and Staley's a bad coach. Nobody, nobody ducks criticism like Justin Herbert. It's amazing.
2: And it's 100% accurate. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be impressed by a team that commits 11
3: penalties. Well, okay. now to to the point on the Cowboys, we can't bury them after the performance against the Niners. And then when they come back the next week and find a way to win a game, we bury them again. There's got to be there's got to be something. There's got to be rules. We're living in a society here. okay? (laughs) we can't just bury everybody for everything. Like with the Eagles this weekend and with the with the Niners, we, we had no problems making excuses for the Niners. Right. What was what was the take yesterday? And I agreed. All these things went wrong, and they still could have made that field goal and won that game. We found a way to couch it for them, but then when the Cowboys win the game, we well, still bury them. And I hate show. this because I'm I'm an Eagle fan. I don't want to defend the Cowboys. What have those teams done over the last couple of years? They've earned our respect. That's true. That's the Cowboys care. have not. Earn it! And you'll get treated that way. Earn it! They won the game, though. It was a tight spot last night. They're on the road three and four weeks. They're playing a team off a bye. It's a tight spot. I didn't expect it to look pretty. The fact that they won, though, I I still think they deserve deserve some credit today. Like, they found a way to get it done. Because we would have killed them today if they had lost that game last night. We would have
2: killed them. Carla versus Joe. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Speaking of Jalen Hurts and the Eagles... How should they feel today after the Cowboys move to within a game? That is coming up in just moments.
1: This is the
0: Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Rid of it, and he's picked! Intercepted by the Cowboys,
3: and Gilmore's the one who got it. The guys played their ass off, offense, defense. They came up with a huge play right there. Something we can build off of.
2: Cowboys did get it done in the end. I actually will admit that they won the game. I know that actually happened, as point of fact. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. We welcome in ESPN NFL analyst Jeff Saturday, who joins us right now. Jeff, it's Chris and Joe. As always, we appreciate the time. So let's start with the game last night. What did you make of the Cowboys' game plan against the Chargers last night?
1: I actually liked it. Look, I think every game takes on its own personality. And, and, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, L.A. started fast, right on the defense, and they go out and score. You match back, um, take a three-point lead at the end of the half, which, in my opinion, was probably a little conservative. In my opinion, I mean, I think they could have called a timeout with like 43 seconds left, um, but McCarthy decides not to, and and uh, and then ultimately, as the game progresses, if they if, if they don't have the the special teams kind of blunder where the kid thought the ball had hit his ret- a return man and get in touch it, I don't think this game gets as close as it is. But, unfortunately, they do. They let the, the Chargers back in the game and then uh, find a way to close it out with Parsons making a great play and then, obviously, Gilly making the pick. But, I, I, look, I like the plan. I, I don't think you, you, you go in, you feel like you're the superior team if you're the Cowboys. Don't give them a chance to, you know, don't, give them, don't make mistakes to beat yourself. I think they watched the Eagles do that. Uh, San Fran had lost so you can make ground up against the two best in your conference. I liked it. I thought they executed it to, uh, you know, to to the betterment of their team.
3: Mike McCarthy and Brandon Staley, the two head coaches in last night's game, they've come under fire for a while, multiple seasons, with some of their game management decisions. McCarthy at the end of the half last night, Staley being as aggressive as he is on fourth downs. You know, when you were coaching the Colts last year, how did you go about those end-of-half and end-of-game scenarios? Did you have someone who understood the analytics? Did you study the analytics? When it comes to making these decisions, like what was the process you guys deployed?
1: No, that's a great question. I actually had two guys. So, so there was two, there was two guys in the box uh, that had my ear, um, and they could both tell me kind of what the situation was, when timeouts when timeouts were going to be appropriate, like what the you know what what the advantage was, kind of what the numbers were. So they're doing constant analytics up in the box above you and they have connection to you through your earpiece and then ultimately you make the final um, the final decision. But I think when you're you know when you're in those positions, you know, you've heard McCarthy um, talk about that he was going to dial it back and they were going to be, you know, a different team than they were with Kellen Moore. And and I I will just tell you, like Andy Reid has made a lot of you know he used to get bashed before Patrick Mahomes oh, yeah. came along and they start winning Super Bowls, right? So like let's be careful like how we you know, because every coach comes under criticism, right? I mean, I, I remember uh, I took a, a beating after a Pittsburgh game uh, on a two-minute drive, right, where Matt Ryan makes this play. We don't call timeout because the guy in the box is like, hey, we don't need to use one. We have them. We've moved the ball. And, and and I felt comfortable we could execute. But for some reason, there was miscommunication. We don't get it on fourth down, whatever, right? Like, the football happens, but it doesn't go your way. And so now it's sitting in your lap. And so – I'm always careful to realize there is no, they're always perfect when your team wins. They're always the worst when your team loses. So um, I don't like. I'll be honest with you. Like Staley, I think, continues to make errors that I'm not a fan of. In a 10-7 game, you know, you you get called short. You can tie it up 10-10. You're on the six-yard line. The way that the game was tracking, I probably would have kicked the field goal there. The next situation, I thought it was very – I thought thought you have to go for it because you're down seven uh, in the fourth quarter. So the game takes on its own personality. Each call is different because of where you are – so there is there's no perfect answer, but but I but I do think you know coaches you know to McCarthy's point he decided we're going to be conservative we're not going to beat ourselves we're not going to turn it over we're going to make them make mistakes and it ultimately helped them win and 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 if you look at Philly you could argue had they run it on that third and nine and punted it the Jets probably don't beat them but again. Yep. Siriani's kind of M.O. has always been aggressive and it's taken him to the NFC championship and close to a Super Bowl championship. And so, um, you know, how he feels at the moment. But, yeah, the guys were getting spoken to, or at least with my, my experience in Indy. Um, I had I had two guys in the box that were consistently giving me analytics and what, what you know, kind of what how the game was trapping uh, or tracking that way.
2: Jeff, Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst joining us. Okay, you made the point about Andy Reid in there. I want to follow up on that for a second. So is this a formula for the Cowboys that could potentially take them to a championship uh, aside from not having Patrick Mahomes,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think you got to get there first, right? So I, I don't think every game you can play and just be super conservative. So you know, Dominique Foxworth and I were you know kind of in this thing on on get up. I, I don't think there's a one single answer. I don't think you can just go be conservative all the time when you have Dak Prescott and you have those guys. But I think you'll know in certain games, hey, we should play this one a little a little tighter to the vest. And, and understand what we have and, and do, do, you know, and make sure we're managing the clock the way we should and give ourselves. We do have a good defense we can lean on. Our defense is playing well. I think there's going to be games where, you know, like San Fran the week before, they're getting boat raced, right? Like, you're not going to be conservative in that when You've got to let it all let loose, right? And so. I think each game kind of takes on its own, um, but I will tell you every coach in the NSL is getting some type of analytics throughout the week. They're sitting down with somebody who's in charge of that. They're going over, listen, I went over almost every coaching decision of the entire week in a packet on every Friday. You go through what the coach has made, and you tell your analytics guy, hey, I like this decision. I would have done this one differently. And they kind of chart it to help you make a better decision in your moment. I think Mike McCarthy probably has Done that, and then like, hey, I'm going to lean more to the conservative side of this, where other coaches might go the other way. But, but uh, I think they definitely play a, play a big portion of our game. But you have to you have to balance it with where you are in the game and kind of how your team is tracking.
3: Jeff Saturday joining us here, at Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. You know things go south with the Jets. Zach Wilson takes a beating in the media. Um, Dak Prescott takes a beating. Daniel Jones takes a beating. Justin Fields catches heat. It feels like with the Chargers, for some reason or another, as good as Justin Herbert can be, he can have some bad performances at times and then just nothing. Like last year in the loss to Jacksonville in the playoffs – That collapse fell on Brandon Staley, but Herbert was the engineer of an offense that didn't score at all in the second half of that game. And last night, he didn't play particularly well, but we're putting the heat on the organization and Staley. Why do you think it is Justin Herbert tends to get a pass at times?
1: I just think his numbers, right? I mean, like, every, every time you look at him, he's somewhere in the top 10 of QBs, right? I mean, so here's this guy whose numbers always look good. I'm, I'm sure if you look now, I mean, I, I'm sure he has double-digit TDs. I don't know how many interceptions he has, maybe twos or whatever it is. It's going to be a low number. Um, he does a pretty decent job that way. But he. I'll be honest with you. Like You look at his fourth-quarter numbers, and, and that's really when his turnovers come, right? And so in big moments, um, you know, it, it, can he make the play? Is he making the play? The other part, I think, of why he gets a pass is because so many of the decisions that Staley makes, like going for it on fourth down, backed up in his, side, but that's not really a quarterback issue, right? Like your your coach is calling it. You don't execute it. You punt it. It's it's a it's it's not a high probability play anyway. So now the team's got a short field, like you go back and forth. I think that's probably why the past continues to get given is because people have seen this and go, Hey, well, his numbers look good. But, but to your point, he he is definitely going to start getting it because there's too many moments where when you talk about elite quarterbacks making a play or bringing their team out. Br- Brock Purdy is a is a great example of this, right? San Fran in Cleveland, the number one defense, without you know without without uh, McCaffrey, without Debo Samuel, he drives it down, man. They they have a 41 yard field goal, right? Like the QB can't do any more than he just did. Now they missed it, and he's gonna you know they'll get blamed or whatever. He's not going to be the guy, but he was the guy. Like, you need more moments like that from Herbert to show, hey, I'm putting my team in the position to keep getting these wins um, because ultimately he is going to get down to that. As, as everybody's watching this, they're going to stop always pointing to Staley, uh, and the flashlight's going to get pointed towards uh, Herbert as well.
2: Jeff, great stuff. We appreciate it, man. Thanks.
1: Appreciate you, fellas. Have a great one.
2: Jeff, Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst joining us. We are two weeks away exactly. From the nfl trade deadline one team that you have not thought of it's time well as jeff said to punt and they can help some other teams get better quick
1: this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio
0: now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team
3: Drifting to his left, under pressure,
1: extending the play, throws complete, Zay Flowers, touchdown Ravens! Lamar extended and Zay Flowers delivered. Malik Willis in the shotgun, takes the snap, under pressure, hit and sack, back at the
0: 20-yard line. The Ravens' sixth sack of the day. We're very pleased to come away with a win, I'm proud of our guys. I thought our guys fought through a lot of adversity in that game.
2: On the other side, not so much. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio Series 6M, Channel 80, friends. The Tennessee Titans are two and four, headed into the bye week. Joe, they've got a lot of players on this team that they can trade away and help a lot of teams and get some picks back. Because let's just call it what it is it's time for the Titans to punt on the year. Punt. Time time to go. You're not going anywhere. Ryan Tannehill uh, had the same ankle injury, did not have to get surgery this time around, but he's in a cast at the moment. Like, this is, this is not heading anywhere great. So we need to take a look at the players that the Titans can unload for picks, and who's going to benefit the most. And the guy we have to start with is Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry still clearly has enough in the tank to help a team that needs a power running back, and his addition immediately changes the dynamics of an offense.
3: Titans 2-4 and four right now, third worst record in the AFC. They get further and further away from their competitive years a few years back when they made it to the AFC championship game. You've advocated for Mike Vrabel to take over in New England. For Bill Belichick, it makes a lot of sense. So your head coach could be at some point on the way out the door. You're not competing at a high level, and you're in a relatively soft division. So, yes, to lay out all the points – You're sitting here, you're heading into the bye week, 14 days from today is your trade deadline. Your one game between now and then is a home game, I believe, against the Atlanta Falcons. Derrick Henry is the first name that comes up because Derrick Henry isn't just a marquee player who can still play at a very high level. His contract expires at the end of the year. His cap hit this year is $16.3 million, but we're already through six weeks of the season. Next week would be seven weeks. So you wouldn't need a team to take on all of that. It would be prorated. And by prorated, we'd be talking about probably something less than $10 million a year. Mm -hmm. And the team that should make the move, or at least the first one that comes to mind, because I've got about four, but it's a team in the NFC that Tennessee would be happy to trade them to rather than someone in the AFC. That's got to be the Detroit Lions. Right now, you're a contender. You are a legitimate contender. You're a one-loss team on a four-game winning streak. You've won those four games by double-digit points per game. Okay, You're looking around at San Francisco. You're looking around at Philly. What can you do to beat them? Detroit understood its big weakness from last year. It was their defense. Last year, they ranked 28th in the NFL in scoring defense, 32nd in opponent yards per play. They were disastrous. So they spent the offseason upgrading. Now they're ninth in scoring defense and 5th in opponent yards per play. Jared Goff is having a very solid year. David Montgomery is hurt right now. I believe he's got a rib injury. I don't know how long he's going to be out. He you said make to, him, uh, Dan Campbell said he's going to, quote, miss a little bit of time. Okay, a little bit of time. Yeah. You bring in Derrick Henry to add on that offense behind that offensive line. You take a ton of the pressure off of Jared Goff. You take a ton of the pressure off of your defense. And the guy, more than anything, Carlin, he fits exactly what Detroit wants to do, which is bite off your kneecaps, right? Yeah. That was Dan Campbell's famous line when he got introduced. We're going to bite off your kneecaps. And we all laughed. Now who's laughing? Three years later, they're one of the most physical teams in football. You find a way to add Derrick Henry to the mix? What do we think of the Lions moving forward? I think it would be a, a, a fantastic move for them. I wonder if they'd be a
2: little bit hesitant with how good Montgomery has been and, and the, you know, how long that injury is going to last. Jameer Gibbs is trying to get back this coming week. But can you imagine, let's just say... Montgomery was not going to be available here for a bit, that you had Henry and Jameer Gibbs that you could play off one another, two completely different kind of backs. I mean, dear God, that would be amazing. I'll give you the team that should absolutely go for Henry, and that's the Cowboys. No. Tony Pollard, not an every down back. He's just not. Um, They are ninth in rushing as a team, which is better than I would think but it's because they've put such a focus on it this year. We're going to get to a point here where we're going to find out whether or not Tony Pollard can really handle the entirety of that load, and I don't think you want to find it out you know, in week 13 that he's slowing down and you don't really have an answer. I know Derrick Henry can handle it. Uh, I'll bring up this name, DeAndre Hopkins. Who does DeAndre Hopkins
3: help? Well, he's another one that his contract can essentially just turn out to be a one-year deal. And yeah. the Titans end up in a situation where they have some dead cat money there, but they could move on from him. I mean, the first team that comes to mind is a team that was interested in him to begin with and never made the move. I mean, what do we think about the Kansas City Chiefs? Like, are the Chiefs picking up the phone? Because if they're not, I got a couple other teams in mind. I don't know how much is left in the tank for Hopkins because they can't seem to get him the ball. But if you're Kansas City, would Tennessee be willing to make that move? I think they would. Why not? I mean, I mean that, that, that's. I mean, like
2: you're you're not going anywhere, and that's a one year issue with Hopkins going to Kansas City. Now, I do think there's not as much left on the fastball as there used to be. Correct. I don't think he's going to go there and all of a sudden become the DeAndre Hopkins that we used to see in Houston. I don't expect that, but I think he could absolutely help if there was another team that I would look at for Hopkins. How long is Debo Samuel going to miss? Would I think about it if I were the Niners? That might be pushing it. That might be pushing it. Uh, I don't think the Lions need it. I don't think the Eagles need it. And I've been looking exclusive. I I don't think the worst idea is the Cowboys either. Like, I'm not saying to trade for both of them, but listen, they have not figured out until last night how to use Brandon Cooks more. Like, they, they need that. Because it can't be Lamb all the time. That's a bad pass defense they faced last night. You're not going to have that each and every
3: time out. What what about the idea of the Buffalo Bills? You're down Tredavious White. You're down Matt Milano on defense. I don't know if you're going to be able to get the stops that you might need. So... When you're looking at a matchup with Miami, who's got all the firepower for days, you make a move for Hopkins to play alongside Stephon Diggs. You counteract some of that loss on defense by just adding more firepower on offense. Yeah, it, ramp up the offense. I get it. I get it. I don't hate it. And at the same time, prevent Kansas City from getting them, right? Like the yeah. last thing you want is your top competitor in the conference to go out and get better. It's not You a bad grabbing a play. guy like this makes yeah. you better and it hurts
2: them. Not a bad idea to play a little defense there. One last guy, Kevin Bayard, the Ooh. safety. He could help somebody defensively.
3: So, all right. So as we're working through that, the defenses that could use some help right now, I mean, Kansas City looks very good on defense so far this season. I mean, if you're – I don't know what the safety situation looks like in Miami right now, but defensively they're not as good as we expected them to be under Vic Fangio. Ramsey tracking to come back soon, but – I don't know. Where else would you be looking? I mean, what about if the Chargers actually think that they can do something? No, come on. Come on. Why would the Chargers make a move that could improve their chances of winning anything? (laughs) Silly me. That's just
2: Get that out of here. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.